Welcome to the Intentional Growth Podcast, the show that teaches you how to grow the value of a company with an end in mind. Host Ryan Tansom interviews top business leaders, authors, entrepreneurs, and other professionals who share their experience and expertise about buying, growing, and selling companies. Thanks for tuning back in. This is episode 220 of the Intentional Growth Podcast, and today I have a super special guest on the show, Todd Herman, who is the author of The Alter Ego Effect, The Power of Secret Identities to Transform Your Life. He has worked with pro and Olympic athletes, as well as some of the most successful entrepreneurs from all over the world. He's lived and worked in over 82 countries and has sold a couple businesses for seven-figure paydays. He's also the creator of the 90-Day Year Performance System. Todd's interview on the alter ego effect is a framework on how to change your mindset and eliminate your self-limiting beliefs. With real research, with real results, with scientific backup from someone that coaches the top performers in business and sports in the world. This is not another platitude or another self-help discussion around mindset and how you should will your way into a more successful business owner. This is a practical framework about how you can recalibrate your relationship and your identity with your business. Like we talked about last week on Allie Taylor's interview about how our mindset and our belief about ourselves and our business can potentially be one of the biggest growth ceilings that we have. We're going to talk about a framework about how to shift your mindset and your relationship with your business using Todd's framework. Todd challenges us to get rid of this idea of our quote-unquote authentic self and focus on different selves that serve us every day in different ways. In our home self, in our work self, in our vacation self, we want to emulate the people that are most successful in these areas of play. Todd's work on the alter ego led him to a key discovery. We need to establish a persona that can handle the tasks that we don't take pride in or that we don't naturally have confidence in so we can ultimately achieve the success in areas that are holding us back. If you wanna grow to be the chairperson of the board who is deploying capital and being the strategic visionary, then emulating successful people that do that is gonna be crucial in order to overcome your self-limiting beliefs that might be holding you back. A Couple of the things you're gonna learn in this episode is how to access and create that inner hero why just dealing with it is terrible advice to a transitioning business owner who needs to evolve their role and their responsibilities with their business. Why when you change the way you relate to yourself, all things change with it. Why the imposter syndrome is a buzzword in the self-help world these days. And why discounting your achievements, oh that was just luck, contributes to the real imposter syndrome and feelings of anxiety over being quote unquote found out despite your achievements and what to do about it. How to avoid self-help traps that take away your power rather than provide real ways to succeed in overcoming the imposter syndrome. Why fake it until you make it is good advice and how to figure out when you've made it and then what to do about it. And why anyone not getting the results they want is actually being more fake than the person that's faking it till they make it. What traits entrepreneurs and athletes share that draw them into their fields of play and how they become the successful top performers. How to break your brain to achieve success because some of the ways our brains are built, such as to seek comfort, hinder us if we give in to them too often. And why you should carefully choose heroes to emulate in all aspects of your life from work to home and how to show up as those people day after day to ultimately achieve the vision that you have for yourself and for your life. I love this episode. I read Todd's book. I couldn't relate more to it. Practical advice and a practical framework that is actionable. That's the biggest takeaway I want you to have so far and why I think you should listen to this episode. Don't forget to check out our Intentional Growth course that is the education that you need to help you give the confidence that you understand business valuations, deal structures, all the different exit options, and how to build a strategic plan that grows the value of your business and gives you more choices and freedom. So that way you can start to come up with your alter ego that you can lean into and give you confidence that you are the one that has the opportunity to have a valuable business that gives you the freedom of choices that you want in your life. So without further ado, here's my interview with Todd Herman, the author of The Alter Ego Effect. Sponsored by Arcona's Intentional Growth Digital Course. Ryan Tansom and Pat Hobby show you how to shift your mindset away from solving for annual income 
to focusing on strategies that create long-term value, giving you the freedom and choices to take control of the future destiny of your business. Accelerate your knowledge with 36 videos and dozens of exercises that combine decades of experience buying, growing, and selling companies. Learn more by going to arcona.io or visiting the show notes. Todd, I am super excited to continue the conversation. I had to hit record because <laughs> I think we could have probably gone the whole time. And I was just saying to you that like I had listened to your book. Um, it was six plus months ago and it just so resonated with me. I've talked about the imposter syndrome a lot on the, on the show. And yeah. so the fact that you've got a book of a framework and you've really addressed, I think, and can resonate with entrepreneurs about this, this whole concept. Um, yeah. so hearing it straight from the horse's mouth, man, I'm super pumped. Um, well, what I love is you haven't even mentioned the name of the book yet. So we're creating an open loop. There are people like, well, what's, what's the book? Well, uh, here's what I'm going to tell you, listener. You don't get to find out what the name of the book yeah, is because we still, we still got some more rambling to do before we get into it. <laughs> well, anyways, yeah, it's, it's good to be here. Love what you guys are, um, are on a mission for to help, you know, leaders build out their businesses in a far more intentional way. And for me, like what I think about with that is making sure that the business not only serves the purpose of, you know, creating a lot of value for the clients and the customers, but also serves the purpose of creating a lot of value for your own life as well. Because, you know, as you know, and as I see as someone who like mentors a lot of leaders, you know, I get the chance to work with some of the greatest athletes in the world and public figures and entertainers is most people have not created the game of life to set up for them to win. They're mm -hmm. playing someone else's game. And I think the great thing about business is, you get to decide how you want to run the game. Uh, but most people have not picked up the pen and picked up a little blueprint action and mapped it all out. And you so know what someone said to me once, yeah. and this might resonate with what you, you know, some of your philosophies is that someone said, if you don't understand this shit, learn it and get your head wrapped around where you want to be mentally, but also with the business, someone else has the pen and paper and they're writing it for you, whether you know it yeah. or not. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And what I find interesting too, and as we talk about, you know, the alter ego, the philosophy of the imposter syndrome and truly how you talked about dealing with it. Why I like this, Todd, is because you know how many people I've interviewed on my show where they're psychologists or they're, you know, they're they're really about in the in the mental state, but they say, Well, you just have to stop and you know, take a step back and just just do it. And I'm like, Well, mm -hmm. too much BS in our heads. Yeah. And some of the pinnacle top uh, points of like transition of like your, your company's growing, it's more complex and you have to become a different person. Your, your relationship with your business changes. People are like, you just have to deal with it. And I'm like, no, yeah. there's, there's like mental shit that's involved. There. Yes. <laughs> well, and I mean, we were talking about briefly beforehand about, you know, that, and this isn't like a biography to position myself in some way, but I'm, I'm truly not the most revered or liked people amongst peers in the personal development or leadership space. And that's because I call a lot of them out. I'm a practitioner. Like every single day I am working with people one-on-one. -on -one. Now it might be expensive to work with, but I'm working with people one-on-one -on -one and I have for 23 years. I started out with little young teenagers, you know, when I started my sports training company, but a lot of the advice that people get, you and your dad sold and exited a business for eight figures there's some sinew on the muscle that you earned from that. And now you work with other people on this as well, right? And so there's a lot of ideas. There's a lot of books that are written from people who have never actually practiced this stuff. <laughs> and, and, and this is important because to your point about when people say, well, you just got to get over it. Okay, that's true. So thanks for the platitude of just doing it. Now for me, I have got more tools in my toolkit that I've forgotten about to help people with that. Like I give people real things that help them that are mapped towards the psychological switches that are already built into our heads. There's mm -hmm. so much made up stuff about how to get over something or how mm -hmm. to achieve success. And I'm looking at it going, well, that actually runs counter to how the brain works, which is why, you know, my alter ego concept and what the book is about, the alter ego effect is about is how when you change the way that you relate with yourself, all things change with it. Human beings are conditioned to act through whatever they associate themselves with. And so if you're associating yourself with a story and a narrative about who you think that you are, that isn't going to help you succeed with the activities or the role that you've now got in life. Well, there's friction that's there. 
Mm-hmm. And so when someone comes along and says, you just got to get over it. This is kind of the way that it is. Well, nah. thanks. I'm still stuck here. There's still <laughs> friction that's here. Yeah, it's so true. Right? And so instead, I say, great, you know, here's what I can do for you. Let's accelerate you through this sort of friction zone or comfort zone, how other people might put it. And let's build a custom version of you that's on the other side of this transition that's custom built to win. And it maps to the already existing psychological principles of how our brains work. Mm -hmm. And the beautiful thing about the alter ego and every single person that's listening right now is you have already used this concept. It would be impossible for any human being on the planet, any human being on the planet. I'm not saying because I wrote the book because it's just true. Biology. Every human being on the planet has already played with this idea because when we were in our most creative zone of our entire lives, six months to seven years of age, every single person that's listening to this either pretended to be their favorite superstar athlete on the front driveway when they were playing some game against their buddy or when they were just solo out there or when they were on the sofa or the couch jumping off of it with a cape around their neck pretending to be their favorite superhero or whatever the case is. Everyone's played with this idea. That's why it's so familiar to people. Mm -hmm. The challenge has been and the where people might resist against it is you have accepted a whole bunch of paradigms mm-hmm. about things like be your authentic self, be the real you. Well, here's what I can tell you. There is no such thing as an authentic you because there is no one you. There are many versions of you standing on many fields of play and in many roles in life. Most of the people that are listening are simply acting through the same fucking identity that they've got. And, or the and that narrative is, that, they've, that they either created themselves or they didn't even know they created. It's a trap. It's, it's, such, it's such a trap. And there's so many traps living in the world of spirituality, religion, living in the world of self-help, personal leadership and development that I just look at it. And I mean, some of the most popular, best-selling, biggest books of all time, I just look at it and go, that's just junk. It's not, I can tell that these people have never actually worked with anyone that's at any achievement level. You know, here's the reality. Most of the people that have written books for people have maybe worked with above average people and they're writing it for average people. But if you're listening, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Oh, dude, hundred percent, hundred percent. Like I, I said in a different way. Like when I when I got into this kind of, I was, you and I were chatting about like my imposter syndrome that I've gone through over the years. I mean, like literally, I was in my twenties. You know. But here's you know, what's important about that is, what do you mean by imposter syndrome? Like, how, how, like I know you you said before that you've mentioned you've had a lot of conversations with people about so imposter like why syndrome. It's but a, how does that show up? Yeah, it's a good question. For me, it was of why am I here? And why do I like, for, I'm thinking of a couple of times back in the business where it's like, I, there's all these grownups, per, you know, quote unquote, who are very smart, very educated, been doing this for 30 years. You feel like they should have the answers and they don't. And then you're like, well, how come I, how come I understand it? And then, so you have this, like this, like the project or the, my narrative is not correlating with what's happening. Right. Or something mm-hmm. I'm, I'm articulating that the right way where there's, there's a cognitive dissonance. Is that the, maybe that's the, Yeah there's something happening that I don't feel like I should be the person that is showing up. Gotcha. Yeah. And so a couple things. One, the term imposter syndrome has become just an absolute. Is it diluted? You know, and oh, it's cotton candy, man. It is the most popular term that people in the self-help world love to throw out there. And so what's really important is that, because again, someone that's listening, I mean, you don't want to be an expert on imposter syndrome and you don't want to be expert on mindset stuff. You want to find who the expert is to help you in whatever like the little you know, situation is that you're in to help you get through it. That's the key. But you, not everyone nowadays wants to, or thinks that they're some sort of expert on you know, 97 different topics. I'm not. Yeah. I'm good at a couple of things. You know, because I'm dyslexic, I'm extremely good at thinking fast because my brain thinks in pictures Mm -hmm. and I've flexed that muscle. I've gotten really good at it. My job as someone who is here to help people move through very challenging situations or evolve into a brand new version of themselves or help them go and stand on a podium at the Olympics or, you know, win a gold medal is I can cut through things fast. I have to, because the people that come to me care about speed And so I need to be able to think fast then, solve problems for them fast. That's why I have like a whole host of mental models that I've memorized and that I've got in my head so I can move people through things quickly. All right. And so imposter syndrome only means one of two things. It doesn't mean a bunch of the other stuff that people are trying to heap onto it. It means one, you're someone who has discounted a lot of your wins in life to happenstance, circumstance, luck, Mm. right place, right time. 
Yeah. That's one of the core meanings of what imposter syndrome means. You discount the thing. So it's like, oh, if someone gives you a congratulations. Oh man, like congratulations on your podcast hitting a million downloads. Ah, well, you know, it was right place, yeah, right yeah. time. Started a five years ago when there wasn't as many in podcasts out there and blah, blah, <laughs> or whatever it is, right? Like we discount yeah, yeah, it. Totally. And it's, and it's complete crap. And so my job is to make sure that I get people to make sure that they catalog their wins because structurally, again, how does, how does the human brain work? Human brain's job a lot of the time is to protect us. It is also to predict. So when we stepped out of the cave and we saw some sort of rustling in the bushes, our attention was pushed to those bushes so that we could protect ourselves from the saber-toothed tiger or the squirrel that came running out from underneath the, uh, the bushes. Mm -hmm. It's there to protect. So most of the stuff that resonates or lands inside of our brains is typically negative stuff. We give more credence to it than we do the wins. So I need to get people to catalog their wins. That's a habitual thing that winners do really, really well. They catalog their wins and they cement it inside their minds. So that's one. Number two, the second thing imposter syndrome is truly about is the feeling of being found out, which is kind of speaking there, to that, what Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, that's the emotional anxiety of... Am I in the wrong spot? Yeah, you know, I know. Yeah. Yeah. And that's very common amongst achiever type people. And a lot of that is because you have a palate and a taste for excellence. Okay. You have a palate and you have a taste for it. And so right now, there might be some sort of dissonance. There might be some sort of separation between where you think your skills are at, where your output is at, and the taste that you have for where you want it to be. Mm -hmm. And the reality is where you're at, your skills, talents and skills and stuff are so much further ahead than the other person that you might be speaking to or helping or, or whatever. But what is, is very common is people that are top achievers that say, say that to themselves, like, Oh my God, I'm going to be found out. Now everyone's going to see just how bad my writing is. My educational, you know, skills are my, you know, insert whatever. And so in that context, that's why the alter ego has been such a powerful concept amongst people because now you have, because the root term of the word alter ego means the other I or trusted friend within. Now you have an ally between the six inches of your ears who's there to coach you, to mentor you, to give you another third person narrative, an outside narrative that says that ain't true. That's it's not true at all. So important, and I think what what I what I, would, I I find so fascinating about your the the framework is it's an actual tool of how to break people through that because it in it gives some context Todd about the 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 why I think that this is super relevant to business owners because when you look at the sheer numbers and I had someone on that had a PhD in psychology or business mindset psychology. I, Allie, forgive me if she's listening and of what exactly it was, but the the what she and I were talking about is that you know. Only 4% of companies get over a million in revenue. And then you think about the sheer numbers of to get to the size, well, they're in the business, things become complex. So you have different, different versions of yourself that you have to bring in and being a business owner to grow your business like that. And so many times when you think about where business owners lie and entrepreneurs, CEO peer groups, you and I are talking about all the communities that we're in. Tons of egos. Everybody's judging revenue. How many customers? How fast you growing? And yeah. you're just bombarded with this shit all the time, Todd. That it's like you, you know, the fake it till you make it. You mentioned in your book a bunch, and it's like you have to fake it till you make it because you're trying to get product pricing fit. You're trying to make sure you're doing this, and, and a lot of that is trial and error. But then mm -hmm. at some point, you have to go. I fucking made it. <laughs> at yeah. some point, that this is working. Now, then you have to continue to evolve yourself over the different phases of your business. And many times the business is a direct reflection of the business owner and their mindset mm -hmm. and, how, and how it's gotten there. But there's not been, you know, the advice they get is from other people that are also faking it. You and I were talking about a bunch yeah. of shams out there or other business owners who they're just talking about top line revenue, but they're bleeding money. They don't mm -hmm. have a good business. So you're just, there's nowhere you can turn where there's real shit and someone that can actually give you practical advice on how to continue progressing yourself. Yeah. Well, I mean, in order, if you want to be successful as an entrepreneur, then you need to be successful at being a shapeshifter because the very early stages of business, when you take a look at the activities that are demanded of an early stage business, well, the, the skills that are needed is that of a hunter and a grower. Okay. And then when you get past hunting and growing, now that you've got some sort of 
sales and marketing or platform stability inside your business. Now you're going to get into the mode of building, mm -hmm. right? Now you're a builder. Now, now you're someone who's bringing more component parts together and it's less about maybe your skills and it's bringing together other people's skills and other resources, okay? And then after you get through the building stage, now you're getting into a scaling stage. Mm -hmm. And inside of a scaling stage, that's where you really do need the skills of a CEO in your business, whether you decide to do it or you bring in someone else, yep. right? And, uh, and so in the very beginning, control is a big part of trying to be or, or, or becoming successful, bringing a semblance of control inside the business because it's so mm -hmm. scattered. There's so many things that you're doing. There's so many activities that you're doing. But then at the very top, when you're in the CEO role, if you're trying to control everything, then good luck. You know, yeah, you're right. an extremely yep. anxious and stressed out person. And so your ability to adjust to these new roles, see yourself as these new roles, because again, history tells us who we are mm -hmm. for most people, not for me not for the people that I, you know, deliver this concept of the alter ego to because they're able to shed themselves so much more rapidly. And that is one of the core skill sets of people who achieve results far different than the average middle. I think you just hit on a, a key point, the shedding yourself and reimagining yourself. I mean, and that's what the alter ego is. It helps you go through that actual activity. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the thing is like, so I've just said these things, they could sound like platitudes, but then in the construction of the model that I give people of how you leverage an alter ego, something that your mind already knows how to use. Now, will you allow it? Mm -hmm. Your mind knows it. Now, will you allow it? Will the ego, because that's the enemy mm -hmm. for you and me and everyone else, is now will your ego allow you to use that? Or are you attaching some sort of story to the idea of an alter ego is about you being fake? Listen, here's the reality. You're being fake already. Mm -hmm. Because anyone who's not getting the results that they could be getting is fake, is acting in a fake way. Now, this is going to challenge people. And again, like I said before, I ain't here to be your best friend. I ain't here to be well-liked. <laughs> I'm here to speak the truth with a knuckle on the jaw because that's the stuff that wakes people up. Okay? And that's the only way that I've been able to find to knock the snot out of the stuff that's been leveraged inside of your head for a long time that shouldn't be there. Okay. I got to knock it out. And I come at people hard because that's just, I mean, Hey, listen, I work with some of the biggest personalities in the world of sport. The only way that I can break through the hard exterior of sometimes the ego or the impenetrable force that they need to keep there in order to keep the people out who are hangers ons to them or just want stuff from them is I got to break through. I got to come in really hard and tough with them. And I confront them in a way that most people will refuse to. And so I'm not going to change that just because I'm on some pod podcast and I'd love it if people went and got, went and bought a book uh, because <laughs> you're going to be if they were, if they were wanting some fluffy crap, well, you're going to be sorely disappointed when you get inside the book and you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. This guy wait, might, might talk. Yeah. yeah. Wait a second. Wait a second. There's some work that might be here. But Todd, I, I gotta, you know, when I think about like your ability to break through and I love how you see it's, it's the, you know, people intellectually might know what they're capable of, but then it's like the emotion and the narrative that holds people back. And what, what, what when you think about top performers, whether it's athletes or businesses and business owners, and I, I've seen from my, you know, years of research on the business entrepreneur side is people start businesses for crazy reasons, right? Whether, I mean, a lot, there are times when it's a product pricing luck fit, you know, they, they found something that fits, but a lot of it's, you know, rooted into like, child, you know, children and why they want to prove to the world that there's something or they're, they're, they're just, there's something yeah. so intrinsic of why someone is taking the risk, why they're doing it, why they're leading others. And then that same narrative that got them there becomes the thing that you probably have to break through. Mm -hmm. I mean, and is there any themes that you see of how that happens and why people, well, what are the themes of the comment or the, the high, per, high performers that are that got them there that become the same Achilles heel to get to the next stage. Well, if we'd look at the data on entrepreneurs and athletes, that's why I, get, I bounce between the two worlds. Cause I have a, I have a sports training company and then I have um, also a, a business coaching and mentoring and training company as well. And you know, the, uh, the avatar of each person is pretty much the same. Both have the same level of risk tolerance and both of them have a propensity to attract to them, uh, I mean, the world, the world of sport and the world of business, mm -hmm. uh, entrepreneurship specifically, 
I have a tendency to draw to them people who come from some sort of uh, uh, prescribed learning disability, okay? A lot of dyslexics, um, ADD type individuals uh, can end up showing up as entrepreneurs. In fact, of the uh, seven returning guests on Shark Tank, uh, six of the seven are diagnosed um, ADD or dyslexic, okay? So, well, why does that impact the question that you're talking about? Well, when you think about, because I'm dyslexic, so when you think about our worlds when we're in school, school typically isn't built for people like us. You know, it's, uh, you know, there's that. that great, memory? Yeah, you're yeah there's, that, choice book. There, there's that great kind of cartoon of a bunch of different animals standing around and uh, a monkey climbing the tree and saying, and looking back at the other animals saying like, why aren't you guys climbing the tree and the tree being the, the tree of school? And, you know, so school is built for monkeys, people that can, not, not monkeys in the sense of, but I know in mean. that, <laughs> the skills, right? Like yep. of memorization, of rote learning, of being able to sit still and all that kind of stuff. Well, you know, if you're a turtle or you're an elephant or you're a giraffe, you're made to feel fairly insecure about yourself and who you are inside of the, you know, world of school. And so what most of us then do is we escape into our uh, creative imaginations and we find ways of navigating that world in creative ways. Me, I was the class clown. So I would misdirect attention so that I I would gather attention in the wrong moments so that when it came time for them to be asking us for class participation and hey todd what did you think about chapter four they wouldn't <laughs> ask me because they'd already spent a bunch of time disciplining me or talking to me so they have to give attention to someone else i learned that really fast i'm like oh this is pretty easy i can avoid getting asked to do the work in the class if i just simply you know annoy the teacher enough <laughs> you know and then there's and then there's other ways that people navigate that so what's important about that is what, in order for you to be, stay successful as an entrepreneur, you need to have a fairly solid level of creativity in order to solve problems because most of us don't start out with phenomenal resources. We don't have endless amounts of time and we don't have endless amounts of money, mm -hmm. right? If we did, then the venture in our head, we could just easily just rubber stamp and build, but we have to be creative. And so because we developed and we stayed glued to our creative imagination at young ages, we're able to navigate these worlds um, that much better. So to your point about, you know, why your sort of original superpower, right? Desire that you got into business with was in some ways to show the people that maybe, you know, we're again, in school I, that, that we're getting four point hey, Yeah. I made it or I did it or it's, you know, really it's because you felt like you were so controlled as a kid. You're trying to control things now for you, oh right? You know, you're inside of an environment and a model that's controlling you, controlling how you can express yourself in the way that you feel like you're built to. And now you're going to go do that in the world of business. And so the motivation might start off in a slightly like I'm going to show you way, but it's not a sustained energy because if you're always doing things in order to kind of show other people and you don't shift the energy around to the reasons why like you truly want to do it like you know mm -hmm. what are you getting out of it? is it tapping into you know some sort of growth mechanism inside or your desire like me one of my kind of core operating intrinsic motivations is that of being curious i'm just massively curious about things and so even my pursuit towards goals is i just i'm just curious to see what's on the other side you, of this you thing get, you get a, you get enjoyment along the journey yeah yeah, yeah. you have to because that's you know i talk about peak performance all the time peak performance you know because that's what we are we're peak performance training uh companies we know not only do we help you achieve the milestone and the goal, but we get you to enjoy the process along the way because that's truly what peak performance is. Because if you're waiting to enjoy something at the end, then you know it's a fleeting moment in time. Well, and I think it's super interesting because, like, I mean, like, there's as you're like when you talk about the the growth as an individual, like you're trying to show you. It's so funny because, like, as you have to shed, as I, like truly, just in, in in light of the entrepreneur and the stage of the business, and as I, as we teach people, Todd, in the business, it's like. They have to like kind of like relinquish control to say, okay, here's what the company's worth. And like at some point, the relationship with the business, the people, the suppliers, what they were doing, product or service, is a, such a direct reflection of them with that original narrative. Like, I'm going to show people, I'm going to do this. I, there's a, a lot of ego tied into it. Not, not necessarily that's a bad thing because it got them there, but then there's a plateau. Totally. Right? And then it's like, okay, how do you shift your mind and to look at what is the ultimate goal? And I, I watched how where people... 
I mean, so many people been on the show where they make the money and they're like, I guess I was chasing the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. He's never really identified what that was because they went all the way up to the point where they were 50, 60, whatever, sold, made a bunch of money. And they're like, hmm, the people from elementary school don't care that I did this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah you, you, they held on to that for so long that they didn't reinvent themselves mm-hmm. or reinvent their goal or their mission. And then, yeah, I don't know. It's Yeah, I mean, it's very easy for all of us to get wrapped up in you know, the thought that other people are watching us do the work. And I mean, even me, you know, I've got a certain platform, you know, with a best-selling book and, you know, I speak around the world and have for 23 years and stuff. I'm, I'm pretty good. Well, especially the, uh, the tribe within, I call them, you know, which are my mentors within the, the people that I escape to in my own mind and my own imagination that, you know, help me navigate life. I'm pretty good at checking myself, you know, and reminding myself that no one really cares. And I have a very different viewpoint on life you know, everyone else is very much motivated by impact. And that's very, and if you take a look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the, the, the need for significance is, a, is at the very top of it, right? It's not even a core philosophy. It's, it's, it's literally just biologically a truth about how our brains are built. We need to learn how to break our brains. You need to learn how to break your brain. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of the way that our brains are built that will actually prevent you if you fall prey to them from ever achieving or getting what you're trying, what you want, I'll give you one. Mm -hmm. Uh, One is that our brains, one of its motivations is to seek comfort. Okay. Now, when you think about nature, that's very natural. It's natural for homeostasis to set in, in nature, right? Like the ground squirrel or the gopher is comfortable digging a hole in the ground and that's where it lives. That's its homeostasis. Uh, and it's very easy then, or, and this maps to like other animals, but it's very easy then for us to stay locked inside of, um, comfort zone. A lot of the motivations, the reasons why you do the things that you do, uh, routine and habit get built in and it becomes comfortable for you. Well, you need to be aware of that and you need to constantly break your brain and send a message to it that you're the person with your hand on the steering wheel of it. So example would be just a simple one is your ability to stand underneath a shower that's cold every single day. Mm-hmm. And what's, what's important about that is the attitude and the intention behind it. I could care less, frankly, that it's actually proven to be extremely healthy for you. It's very healthy for you to be able to do a cold bath or a cold shower every single day. And the reason is because it builds inside of you what's called brown fat. Brown fat is um, highly energetic uh, fat mass that helps to burn and combust inside the body. It burns the white fat, the, the stuff that sits around the belly and elsewhere. So I could care less about that. What I care more about is landing what I call the ground punch between my six, six, six inches of my ears, letting it know that I am choosing to stand here in a very uncomfortable way because I'm owning it. Because my brain's telling me, get the heck out from underneath this cold shower. Because a cold shower is diff- more difficult, by the way, especially if it's cold, cold water, than sitting inside of a cold bath. Because after a while, your body starts to warm up the water around you, right? But in a cold shower, it's running. And it's going over you. Versus standing where you could just move to the side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and exactly, exactly. Well, and so standing there. So, but it, my, my point is, is I'm doing that actively and choosing to do that to send a message between the six inches of my ears that I own it. It doesn't own me. And, and, and that's really, I can't express this enough. People avoid pain at all costs. And yet pain is the doorway to everything that you want. Anti-fragile, right? I mean, that's, it's truly, yeah. and it's, so there are a couple, a couple of different examples to, to validate what you're saying is um, there's a guy that very large company came through our material and he's like, I just needed, I, I was in a methodical routine and I needed to break through that routine. And it was through education that he created that cognitive dissonance say, I, I need to reinvent this. But the, the, go back to a book that I, that proves what you were saying, Jack, uh, Dr. Um, Joe Benoza, how do you pronounce it? Supernatural. I don't know if you ever heard this book. No. So fascinating, Todd. It's so he's been on uh, Tom Bilyeu and if I'm pronouncing these names wrong, I apologize. Yeah. But um so he talks about by the time you're like 30, 95% of the stuff you do every day is just routine and built in. And you don't actually like have any say in what you're doing. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all brain science, what you're talking about, because habits are formed and your brain is trying to preserve yourself, the calories that you're burning, and you, you have to intentionally disrupt it. Otherwise, yeah. you, like, you're, you're constant, your ego is constantly trying to validate the narrative that you put in your head that that's, it's just validating yourself constantly. Yeah. It's, uh, once you get this, once you get that things aren't built necessarily to support you in the ambitions that you want, you can be far more active in the way that you just literally start to lead a very different life than other people. But what's important about that is you're aware of why. Because when you're aware of why you're doing it, that's what key is like, I'm aware of why I stand underneath that shower every single day. And, and there's that inner smirk that you get on your face or within where you know that you're winning. Like, you know that you're, you're cause I know that I'm doing something right now that other people just are unwilling to go and do. Now I am, I am highly motivated and I'm a highly competitive person. I'm highly motivated and competitive towards some of the things that other people do now in the world of like performance or um, psychology, people sometimes think that that's a bad thing. Well, I don't know. Results just, results just don't lie. The athletes and entrepreneurs that I get to work with, they're getting results so much different than the average person or the average entrepreneur even. And it's because they're very much motivated by competition. Most of the time it's also competition with the self. Uh, but I say that because people have sort of taken this idea of extrinsic motivation, you know, the desire to make money or the desire to lead a certain way of life and, and make it something that's bad. And I'm telling you, don't listen to these people. Don't listen to them. Most of them are not successful themselves or they're just regurgitating some fantastic sound bites from, from other people. Like, you know, it's okay to want that stuff. It's just not okay to only ever want that stuff or only be driven by that stuff. Well, and, and, and so much of it in, in with like the onslaught of how transparent or how easy it is to just create these fictitious narratives that are, you know, public out there. Like, do they actually do it? Mm -hmm. do, are they actually doing it versus the people that are doing the hard work? How to compare those two is more difficult now than it's ever been to be able to say like, Okay, motivational speaker, have they done it? Have they not done it? How can we judge it? Um, I interviewed this guy, Jack Stack. He created the Great Game of Business, which is- Oh, he's such a such a brilliant guy. He's one of my favorite. He's been on the show a couple of times, Todd. And yeah. you want to get a guy riled up, you start talking about the pre-seed round funding and like, because he, he, he's all about profitability and doing yeah. the long thing, or the, the, good, the good thing over and over and over again. But he says like the Inc. 5000, which I know you, you've been on it yeah. and a lot of the people that we both know have been on it, but he goes- when a majority of the people cannot afford two payrolls, what is everybody marching towards? It's a good mm -hmm. thing, but like, what are we what are we giving praise to? So I think the, the the bigger part, like, which is why I think the alter ego is such an important tool. That is a yeah. We have to be okay not accepting what everybody else is spewing, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. and that's hard. It's really hard, especially when you're a competitive person. You yeah. Know, what actually am I solving for? Yeah. Yeah. Defeating that, defeating that enemy of the, uh, of the external narrative or what you think other people perceive of you or what you're perceiving of other people is, um, yeah, that, that's for some people, it's just a lifelong battle. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, especially, uh, especially based on what your personality type might be like me, I'm an extroverted person. I highly value, you know, being around people. And so if you're someone who highly values that, sometimes you can get also caught up in, the the concern and the worry of the perceptions of you by other people. I mean, that was always my case when I was younger. My early 20s were all about that. And um, I watched this back in the day. A&E, the, the TV channel, used to have these great biographies they used to do. And A&E Biographies is one of my favorite shows. And they did this one on, I think it was like the top, or not top, but like five or seven spiritual leaders throughout history. And they had like Jesus Christ and they had Buddha and they had uh, Gandhi and Mother Teresa. And after they had just gotten done doing uh, Gandhi, it was about the third person in. I was like, wait a second. Here I am. I'm so worried about what other people think of me. And yet these people all seem like they're pretty good human beings. 
<laughs> and they couldn't get everyone to like them. So why the hell am I trying? Because like, I ain't no friggin' Jesus and I ain't no Gandhi. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so why am I trying to pursue that? And it was like this, I was about 25. I know I wasn't about, I know exactly. I was 25 when that happened for me. And that's when I sort of, I started to unshackle myself from it. And, um, and, and so, and that's actually one of the reasons why at the very beginning, not to peel ever, but I'll, I'm, I'm fine with talking about mindset stuff. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons why I'll consistently say on podcasts, on stages, when I speak is I'm, I'm not here to be, to be the most liked person, but I know for a fact that I will be a person that's going to give you something that will be valuable to you tomorrow and the next day. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's with tools and that's with actual practical, pragmatic stuff that you can put in your hand that you can take and actually go and use. Other people might be better storytellers. Other people might come across as being more like, you know, um, uh, Motivational. Jovial, jovial and, 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 and likable in some ways. That was just, I, I, mm-hmm. that was a metric I cared about for 25 years. And, you know, I just, I just fundamentally don't care about that metric. Now, I don't care about it in the way that I'm going to show up and be an absolute jerk to people. That's not it. But it's about making sure that I sit in with the challenging stuff that you need to do in order to be successful. I'd said this to you before, like the number one highest converting um, headline we've ever had on a web page for a program is this is the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life. And man, that thing brought in the best quality people we've ever had in anything. And it's because it's the truth. Changing yourself is the most difficult thing you'll ever do in your life. And when someone reads that, they go, yeah, that makes sense. And you know yes. who else wants to do that? People who are highly valuable, who want to go and do important things. Nothing is ever motivating about something that's easy. We were talking about this before. Nothing is motivating about easy because the version of you that's on the other side of doing something easy is what? The same freaking person. Same freaking person. It's so, so true. So why bother? And it's uh, because I know we're, we've got only got a little limited time. Like, let's talk about the, those practical tools. Cause this is why I like the book and the concept is it, it versus other people that have been on this show. Like yeah. it's okay. This is what the alter ego is, how to define your heroic self. And yeah. like, and, and what it, it kind of just to get, we don't have to, cause everybody buy yeah. a book, right? We've already yeah. got that covered, but like what, Todd, how do you, how does someone that's sitting there going, okay, I can see sort of what that vision is of me that I want. Or even a little bit more about what do you mean by this? So here's the thing. An alter ego isn't something that you build across all the areas of your life, all right? The first thing to understand is we have many roles that we play in life, okay? It's actually called multiple self theory. It's not a theory. That's what they originally coined it in the world of psychology. And for the longest time, single self theory was one of the core underpinnings of the psychological philosophy that was out there, one of the kind of five core pillars. And in it, they said that Individuals who saw themselves having a single identity or a single self had the best uh, state of mental health. So lowest rates of depression, anxiety, and stress disorders. Now me, here I am, I'm working with an athlete who's very different on the field than when they come off the field, right? And they should be, you know, in the context of mm-hmm. someone who's a killer on the football field. You don't want them walking around and acting that way. And, and, with it, their it, kids it, and at home. And, <laughs> and so this, the average person listening is like, yeah, of course they shouldn't be. Yeah. Okay. So there's a breadcrumb for you. So then that's why for me, when I'd read some self-help books that were out there, um, I'd be like, but this isn't mapped to reality. And so in about 2008, the whole world of psychology shifted and they said, wait a second, it's actually people who see themselves in many selves, many identities operating in many roles or fields of play and, and stages in their lives that have the best rates of mental health. And so the first, I say all this to set up that the very first action when you're working with someone on this stuff is pick a role or an area of your life where you're most frustrated right now, where you have the most resistance about pursuing something or the way that you're showing up is running counter to the way that you'd like to show up. And and that's a great place to use the mental model of an alter ego. Um, Now, another, another way to, another way to look at it is what's an area of your life. Do you want to actually have to start? Do you want to have, you want to start having more fun in being more playful because the core of the idea is about approaching life with a heck of a lot more playfulness. People don't need to be do, like your motivation behind this doesn't have to be like, Oh, like a hard, like charging. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to make this happen because that is most likely for you as it is for me, a default mechanism of your kind of ego. That's kind of how you've always done it. 
like just pure muscle. Just, I'm going to, well, it's that, oh yeah, I'm going to do this and I'm going to kill it with this. I was like, wait a second. What if you're also the mindset behind how you're showing up with this is this is your little secret weapon. Like for me, that's how it is. Like it's my playful idea because I know most people don't use this. They've forgotten it. And for me, it's like, oh, you have no idea. You think you're talking to Todd here, but you're, you're talking to a different version of some of my capabilities and qualities that I'm simply manifesting into this reality right now. And I'm using it through the lens of Joseph Campbell, Benjamin Franklin, and Superman. Like those, those are my three people that inspired my original art, alter ego in the world of business. Mm-hmm. Those were my three heroes. And I took qualities from each of them. And then I went out and I got, I told them in an artifact, which I'll get to in a second as to why that's important. So, so just to get back to this, step one, pick a role or a field of your play. Okay, that's one. Next step is, well, what is it about the way that you're showing up right now that you're frustrated by? And we don't need to go into a whole bunch of traumatic history about who you are. We're not doing therapy here. It's just, what don't you like? Well, I'm not showing up confident. I'm not showing up very decisive. I'm not a great leader to my people, right? That's why entrepreneurship, there's so many roles you play. That's what makes it challenging. There's this, like, especially when you're starting out, there's the sales guy, which maybe you got to wear that hat. There's the marketing guy. Marketing and promoters aren't the same as sales. So now that you got, you got that hat, there's the finances. You got to take care of your finances. You know, there's the operator, just the person who needs to, you know, flick the ones and the zeros and the switches inside the business. There's the, the product person or the researcher or like whatever. All the, there's so many hats you got to wear in order to be successful. Now, what you do is you take your one identity in that and you say, oh, well, I'm not very good at sales or I don't like sales. No, I get that you don't like sales. And I get that the story that you like to tell yourself about who you are and where you've come from and your experiences tell you that you don't like sales. But here's what I can tell you. At the core of what we're about as human beings, you've got elements within you that would help you to be successful at sales. You're just blocking them from rising to the surface. Whereas an alter ego, you associating in your mind with a new mental model can open up the gates to allow those qualities to flow out of you. Because you flex the muscle every single day of the habit of your identity. Really important, I said, people every day with the way that you show up, with the activities that you engage in, with the way that you approach those activities, all you're doing is you're flexing the habits of your identity. People love to say that, oh, I'm XYZ personality type, or I'm just an introvert. No, you're not. You're not just an introvert. You might, you might show up introverted or have introverted tendencies in certain areas of your life, but no one's a complete introvert in their entire life. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, that's, that's not how human beings work. So, you know, second thing there is what are some of the traits or what are some of the ways that you show up that you just not like or you're frustrated with, which then gets to the mirror of that. What's the, what are the traits that you want to be showing up? So going back to me, when early on, I was avoiding making sales calls in my sports training company. I was really good at working with young athletes. I was good as the practitioner, but I wasn't good as the business builder because mm-hmm. I was terrified of rejection. <laughs> Didn't want people, again, maybe some of the imposter syndrome was there, but I wasn't making the calls, all right? And so I went out and built Super Richard. Super Richard was the composite of, Benjamin Franklin, Benjamin Franklin, Superman, and uh, Joseph Campbell, three heroes of mine, bringing them together. And that individual was confident, decisive, and articulate. That's who Super Richard was. Super Richard was, my ad, was the advocate for Todd. Todd cared about working with young athletes, cared about getting them a result, cared about making sure that they stayed inside their sport for as long as possible, getting as much as I possibly could out of them so they could experience the leader within. Because I truly think that sports is one of uh, the two greatest fields of play to develop leaders. The other is the military. And so that's so Super Richard became the advocate for Todd. Maybe Todd can get it on, but Super Richard sure as hell could get on the phone, could get on the call and loved making those calls for Todd. And that's kind of a key mind frame. That's one of the key things that's different about the way that I work with people on alter ego and building these identities is I'm simply flicking different switches that are psychological in nature to help people, you know, turn this on. And one of that is that we are highly motivated to do things for other people. That's why super Richard was doing this for Todd. Got it. So now we're getting to, so I was confident, decisive and articulate. That's who super Richard was. So I was choosing the traits and then I went out and I found the model in my mind. Okay. Well, who embodies those things already? Benjamin Franklin, Superman and Joseph Campbell. The flip to that is you could choose someone that you already know. Maybe you have an inspiration already for how you'd like to show up. And then, you, then I'd say to you, well, what is it that you really love about Kobe? 
Or what is it you really love about insert the name of whoever the hero is in that person's mind? And those traits probably map well to where you would like to be going towards. Mm-hmm. And so that's the third phase. Phase four is about now, how can we make it more real for you? And this comes down to using a totem, an artifact, or a uniform. People miss out on this huge. Using a uniform is one of the most powerful activators of performance that you could ever do in your life because environment matters. The other side of this is it maps to an existing psychological phenomenon called enclosed cognition, which is we as human beings add add meaning and story to the clothing and articles that other people wear. But if we put them on, whatever meaning and story we have with that article, we actually unconsciously start to act through it. That's why if you put on a doctor's coat, scientifically proven through studies, if you put on a doctor's coat or a lab coat, you will actually start to show up in a more methodical, detailed, and careful way with the way that you're doing your activities. And so if you're engaged in an activity where being methodical and detailed is important to completing that, wearing the white coat is actually going to allow those things to come out of you. In the book, I talk about all these different studies and the science behind how all this works, but wearing something helps. Even glasses, glasses, there's a a study that was done last year on the impact of putting on a pair of glasses and how it actually has been shown to increase people's IQ points by up to 12 points. Isn't that crazy? It's, I mean, hey, it's the brain, man. Like, you know, if that's how it's built, why am I trying to run counter to it? All these people out there using things like, oh, you just got to be your real self. Yeah, okay. You've obviously never been paid by anybody in your entire life to help someone, you know, get a result. something. A it's, a, it's a great platitude to get from a friend, right? Who just thinks that, you know, they love kind of who you are really. But listen, when you're trying to pursue something that's difficult and challenging, you're bumping up against it with your own identity and how you see yourself. So yeah, you can try to be your real self or you could use models that are proven to work that have been nested inside of the way that our brains have been built for you know millennia so that's four and then five is this is where this is where we go to activate it how do we activate it now how are you going to step into that how can you practice this right now have you ever sat there and you know put on a pair of glasses and imagined yourself truly stepping into the identity of like i did with super richard Because what I'm doing in that moment is I'm imagining Superman, Joseph Campbell, and Benjamin Franklin standing there with me as my advocates to help me do the task at hand. And so many people throughout history have mentioned this, even Oprah Winfrey. She she had a quote that she stated on one of her shows is, you know, everyone would see see Oprah come out on stage. But what they never saw was the tribe of many that came before me walking behind me because that's who I brought with me to that show. Mm -hmm. Because who was she? She was a, a black female in a largely white, uh, you know, media world back in the 1970s and 1980s where, you know, there, was, there were no uh, black women that were on any sort of network television. So she was a total pioneer that way. Anyways, but that's, you know, I, there's, there's a lot of other nuances that I talk about inside the book, but that's kind of a good starting place for people to give them ideas like how this stuff gets constructed. And what, what I love about it, Todd, is it's practical and you're relying on yourself things that are inside of you, tools that are inside of you. And I think the reason that I watch so many entrepreneurs hit that barrier and not actually break out of it is one is they, they don't trust anybody else around them because they haven't done it. So they're not reaching out to help. So they're protecting themselves in their psychological castle and mm-hmm. they're just so freaking alone. And again, they haven't been able to reach out. And you know, it's getting better with podcasts and different things that are out there where they can consume this stuff and feel connected to others, you know, in a, in a bigger, a bigger scale. But truly, yeah. they, they it's they, they haven't been able to find anybody that says, okay, this is this is how to do it and how to break through because the trust isn't there or the results. Yeah. Like you keep saying, the results aren't proven. So then they just they they don't they don't want to do the hard work if it's not proven. Yeah. Well, I mean, or I think they're just fundamentally smart too. You know, mm-hmm. like you, you read some of the stuff and you're like, it just doesn't sound, sound like it would work, <laughs> right? Like just me sitting here and just spouting off a bunch of affirmations, that doesn't seem like it's something that's like really practical. And by the way, you know, you're, you're right in a nuanced way. Affirmations proven that if you're saying and stating something to yourself that you actually don't believe will actually cause a higher rate of depressive state, okay? Or even cause someone to go into depression because fundamentally your brain's sitting there going, no, you're not, you're not. Mm-hmm. Why are you saying that? Like you're not like you're because you're typically operating from a, a negative space anywhere. However, 
if you were to affirm something to yourself where you're already having a level of confidence in it, that actually starts to reinforce it. So, you know, I think that just intuitively at like a really deep wisdom sense, people get stuff that just sounds like it's a little bit too sweet, sweet to the taste, right? Like cotton candy tastes great, less filling, right? You know, so it's, um, you know, I'm serving up meat, potatoes, and kale. Like it's, it's, it's the appetite and it's going to keep you going for a long time. And you gave it a good example. I can't remember who it was in the book when you had asked someone after uh, years of doing this, and I think it was a female, I can't remember who it was, but you said, how is it with, and you, you talked about their alter ego and they're like, well, it's just me now. Yes. And yeah, I, well, like it just becomes. Well, it's, 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 it's a, it's. I mean, the mechanism itself of an alter ego allows you to find more of yourself because right now you think that you're just a certain way, right? You know, I'll give me as an example because it's the best, the best example I can think of because I'm with me all the time uh, <laughs> of around, you know, so all day long, even this experience of, you know, if someone's just getting to know me right now. Yeah, I'm challenger. I'm going to speak with a lot of conviction. Well, that's on the other side of me having... Um, coming up on almost 18,000 hours of working with people one-on-one and that's not counting group work, right? So yeah, there's a conviction that's there and I've just seen the transformations that's happened with people. But, you know, in, in business, I've chosen, I haven't been trapped by it. I've chosen to show up in a certain way so that I can get a message across to people and so that I can work with people in a certain way. And that's being a bit of a challenging personality type for people. Okay. So that's the challenger persona is the way that I've chosen to play on the field of, of business. But when the glasses come off and I go and I'm out with my kids, my new source of inspiration for how I want to show up is Mr. Rogers. Okay. And my dad actually. And so, and that's because if I flex the muscle all day long of being a challenger, eight, 10, 12 hours, as a lot of people are as entrepreneurs, you're showing up in a certain way. And I hear this all the time from people maybe you've heard it too, is I just have a hard time turning it off when I get home. Yeah, because you haven't hung up the proverbial you at the office and left them there and brought a new you home. Mm -hmm. Or you don't have a model in your mind for how you want to show up at home. You haven't built that yet. Mm -hmm. And so the model is Mr. Rogers for me. So even when I'm at home, I have a different uniform that I wear at home. Helps to trigger that. Helps to remind me of how I want to show up at home with them. And so the qualities and the traits that I want to most bring around my three young little kids are someone who's fun, someone who's playful, someone who's patient with them, right? Someone who's creative. And because my kids are at such a young age and at a nurturing age right now, those are four great qualities to bring to that environment to help me win there. It also allows me to see myself as more than just that individual that's over there. Because it'd be very easy after eight to 12 hours of acting through that persona to be trapped by it. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, do, do three little kids want to challenge your personality at home? No, they don't want the, they don't want the dick. They don't want the dick dad who's there. It's like, you know, tell them they suck at something because they didn't get it right. Mm -hmm. They're in the learning phase of everything. So patience has to be there. So, you know, that's just two ways that you can help bifurcate or give people an idea of just how it's practically applied. And then when I go to another area of you know my life, because I do a lot of media stuff and I'm on like, you know, I was on the Today Show and lots of other big media stuff. I want to show up in a more playful way sometimes. Okay. Because it's good for camera. Mm -hmm. Right. And now is that me being fake? No, that's me honoring the fact that at our core, we've got just an absolute boatload of qualities and I'm reaching back in and I'm grabbing them and pulling them out. So when you, to, to lean into your challenger part of you, Todd, the, yeah. the people that are listening and, and you probably do a lot of this because the ego is probably already saying things and you've been dealing with this plenty since you've been doing your work that is saying that this is not true or this is, you know, silly yeah. or whatever it is, just give them the knuckle punch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's more of a challenging in that the people that win in life are the people who have the most valuable skills. The people with the most valuable skills in life win. So it's not the people with the most skills win. If you've got a lot of skills, but a lot of those skills aren't really valuable, then it's, it's hard for you to succeed in uh, the quantity of life that you want. But, but when you have a skill set that allows you to change yourself rapidly, 
because you have to change yourself. Like you're always going to be confronted against, you know, new skills and abilities that need to take you to the next level. When you're someone who can navigate that so much faster than someone else, then you've got an unfair advantage. And, and I can tell you from someone who's done this for a long time, the fastest way to change is to change, is to change your identity. Okay. How do we do that? How do you change identity fast? The alter ego model itself. And again, I didn't invent the alter ego model. I wrote the book on it because I found it in all the work that I'd done with all these athletes and how they were consistently performing at peak levels above other people. And it was because they had this playing persona that they would play into, but it's been around forever. I mean, mm -hmm. Cicero is the one who said it in 44 BC. He's the first person to coin the term alter ego, which means the other eye or trusted friend within. And so when you have that capacity to, um, to navigate the six inches between your ears and own that space, and you're using mentors and allies within to help you navigate that much more rapidly, you've now found a gear that other people won't find in life because most people are just trapped by their own story and their own narrative and their own thoughts about who they are, or they're trapped by their own brand. Well, I've been this way forever and I'm going to keep on being that way. Well, good. Okay. Good for you. Good luck with that. You know, and at the end of the day, you're just, you're just someone who's like, you know, you're basically pulling the emergency brake on life with the way that you're driving your car. Right. And so you're going to get burned out by it. And, and, and with the rapid changing of the world that we live in with, I just interviewed, uh, Jason Dorsey wrote this book called the economy and it's about Gen Z coming up. I mean, like yeah. we have to adapt faster than ever. So what you're really, I think what you're talking about, Todd, of the, the ability to be self-aware, break, mm -hmm. break your habits and then be able to navigate the role. I mean, it could potentially be the most valuable skill set going forward. I mean, well, I mean, I, I definitely, I definitely put it up there. I think there's, I, I'm, you know, I think it could be a futile attempt for all of us to argue about what are the most valuable skills. There's just a lot of valuable, there's just some really valuable skills. And, and I think because we carry ourselves everywhere we go, it would be really valuable to have that skill of being able to um, allow yourself to shape shift and not get trapped by a specific you that might not be custom built to help you win in certain areas of your life. And I mean, at the end of the day, mental toughness, by the way, because people ask me, because, you know, I've been a mental toughness guy for a long time. They ask me, well, what is the definition of mental toughness then? Mental toughness is your ability to be flexible and adaptable despite what you're getting as circumstances or what's going on around you. Flexibility and adaptability is the core hallmark skill of people who, who win at a high level and enjoy the process. I like that last part. I like that a lot. And, and I think what you're talking about here is the most important skill set to getting the results that people want be, as a business owner or a peak performer because their business changes, life changes, the world changes. I mean, look at this year, 2020. If you haven't, yeah. you've been forced to adapt, whether you've yeah. done it or not. Big I know time. I'm running short on time and I already appreciate you for going a little bit over. Uh, two questions. One question is, what does the word intentional mean for you? The word intentional means uh, for me, someone who has uh, decided how they want to show up and are showing up that way. It's a decision that you're making, not anyone else. I love it. Second question is best place to get in touch with you, find more about the book, all the resources that you've got. Uh, typically carrier pigeon is the fast. No, it's, uh, <laughs> Snail mail, Todd, carrier yeah. pigeon, smoke signals. <laughs> Toddherman.me is my home base on the interwebs and kind of um, links to all the different uh, companies and interests that I'm involved in, you know, private programs that I've got with people. And then alteregoeffect.com is uh, more about the book, but you can find it anywhere. And I also have a, uh, a kid's book that I wrote back at the beginning of this year called My Super Me. Yes! Which, which I got my is, twin girls need to read it. I yeah, love it. so it's based on the book, The Alter Ego Effect, and it was my way of taking the message and putting it into uh, awesome. know, something for young kids. Uh, awesome. the, only, the only caveat I'll say to that, which is feedback I've gotten from a lot of people, don't use it as a bedtime story book because... Um, the experience most kids have is they feel like they can run through a wall after they get done reading their parents. <laughs> yeah, you're the, the opposite effect of the, of the bedtime story. Yeah, great well, way to start the day or middle of the day, but not at the very end of the day. I'll add one more resource to the or comment on so not only the book, but uh, you've got that great workbook, uh, the exercise or whatever the downloadable. Yeah, yeah. people want to take this and actually want to work through some of this stuff. I, I downloaded, I looked at it. It's awesome to take some of the stuff that we've talked about right now and and uh, actually you know, do something about it. That's great. Uh, this has been awesome, man. I can't thank you enough. Cheers, buddy.
Thanks for tuning into that episode. I love Todd's book. I highly recommend you go find the book or you go find that white paper. Like I had said, go download it. Start creating this alter ego that you have. And I don't care if you are the owner of a $100 million company or a very successful business that is kicking out a bunch of cash. To take yourself and your business to the next level, you have to imagine who you can be and what your business can be if you truly hit your full potential, regardless of where you are in the journey of your business. To imagine what we're capable of, then build a plan to reach that full potential and then enjoy the journey along the way to reaching our fullest potential, I believe is one of the biggest sources of happiness we can have on this planet. Creating this alter ego and using this framework is gonna give you the confidence that you need to continuously reinvent yourself and evolve yourself to lean into your fullest potential and accomplish the things that you want with your business and your life. I think one of the first key components of this is to truly understand what is possible with your business. Go check out our intentional growth course. Go to arcona.io. It'll give you the education that you need so that way you can paint the picture of what is possible from having a valuable business and having the choices that you want with the business. Thanks very much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the episode and I will see you next week.